As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to the Gravity Leadership Podcast, where we explore how to center our lives and our leadership in the love of God revealed in Jesus Christ. In the midst of the disruptive cultural shockwaves of the 21st century. Join us as we learn to take the love of God seriously as the force that holds all of us and everything together. You're listening to the Gravity Leadership Podcast. I'm joined by uh, uh george, ben. george w I, well, yeah. bush impersonator ben yeah. sternkey i hope did that did that end up on the recording Do it was think? a dana carvey impersonation dana carvey, of george w bush yeah. i actually heard him recently on a podcast and he was talking about developing that whole impression it was really funny he is a, he is a really really funny guy mm-hmm. anyway and just how it it sort of expanded beyond it doesn't even sound like george bush actually and that, that's, I think, what's hilarious about it. Like, yep. he doesn't actually talk like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yes, we could do a whole podcast. On, yeah, that's the, that's our topic for today. On Dana yeah, Carvey's no. impersonation of George W. Bush <laughs> and how Dana Carvey doesn't sound like George W. Bush mm. and Ben doesn't sound like I don't Dana sound like Dana Carvey, Carvey <laughs> sounding like George W. Bush. Which is maybe the best impersonation to do of Dana Carvey, right? If you're really going to honor what he's doing. Right. Yeah. It's meta. It's very meta, but it's it works, very meta. Right. Yeah. right. And uh, it's great for podcasting. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, we were just throwing out great podcast ideas for other people to do today. Yeah. Yeah. This is a service. Topically. Yeah. If you want to do this. Yeah. Uh, also, Christy Penley. Hey there. Hey. Hey. I don't have any impersonations for you. Uh, that's disappointing. <laughs> I know. I can't do voices. I'm not can't good do at voices. that. Yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. You can, but, but you, you can, Matt. What do you do? I do What's a lot of silly ones with my kids. Silly voices. I can't even. I do like this Eastern European Groot kind of character. Mm-hmm. I do, yeah. I do lots of ones that probably they have varying levels of appropriateness to talk about <laughs> publicly. I would say, but um, yeah, I do a lot of silly voices with my kids, especially my eleven-year-old daughter, who. Uh, 
her love language is me being silly. Like, like for, like for instance, so she's in uh, a musical, uh, Mary Poppins. And because they had a more girls audition than boys, they cast her as, remember the two little kids, Jane and Michael Banks, who, you know, write the letter from Mary Poppins to come. Well, she's Michael Banks. So they're changing it, I think, to Michelle Banks or something. And so okay. she's got like, she's in like in every number. She's got like tons of lines. She's super excited. Um, but before the audition, I was uh, helping her learn her um, audition song, which she couldn't sing very well. And I was singing it very silly. Uh, and then I said, well, maybe I'll audition and they won't have enough girls for Mary Poppins and I can be Gary Poppins. And <laughs> and I changed the lyrics to the song. And, um, you know, in my defense... Um, the PG-13 lyrics I sang, I don't think my 11-year-old got, but my wife did, and she thought they were very funny. So it was a fun time, and we marched around the house, and I was Gary Poppins. Um, <laughs> but nice. I, things like that. I do things like that, um, especially at the end of a long day. Hey, I, I have to just comment, Matt. You, you, you say that your family, specifically your wife, is one of your most difficult audiences, but uh, you just said that she, you got her to laugh. Yeah, you did. It was a joke she liked. She um, likes Gary Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I just congratulating you. Way to go. Yeah, she is the toughest laugh. audience. Yeah. If I could get a full th- belly, a full belly laugh from my wife, like I'm mm. ready for my SNL audition. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> You're one of the funniest people alive at that point. Uh, yeah. Well, um, there's no great way to hard pivot. <laughs> Speaking it, of, <laughs> I don't know, nothing. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but we, we were talking about mental health uh, mm-hmm. last week, and we were going to move on immediately in this uh, uh, podcast episode to talk about what do you do when somebody's struggling, and we'll get there. But first, uh, there were a lot of people that uh, not only listened to the podcast, but also read some posts I put up on social media about these five myths, and they contributed some additional myths or uh, a lot of amens, and then some additional myths. And I just wanted to share a few with you here. Um, I'll read a few and then see if you guys have any responses to them. Does that sound good? Sure. That's good. Uh, one, one of the myths that people touched on was about medication. Um, and a couple of the myths were like, uh, if you have a mental health issue, you just need medication for a little bit, uh, and then you and then you can go off of it, Right. So medication is like a uh, a boost or um, like a support, but um, essentially, if you take long term medication, uh, then you're not a faithful Christian. And another one is taking medication means that you don't trust God. So either either no medication at all, mm-hmm. or only a little bit of medication, but but not too much. I don't know if you guys have heard that too. Yeah, and and I kind of touched on it last time, just in talking about you know I have asthma. And I take yeah. my inhaler and I will until the day I die. And yet people who have mental health needs where they need medicine there, I think there is this, this myth of kind of thinking, well, you're only going to need it for a little time. Mm-hmm. Or if you just trusted God more, you wouldn't need it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that is something the first one I think is uh, something that I definitely I think I definitely used to have that as a paradigm that, that medicine is like the, the way to actually overcome mental health challenges is through 
something other than medicine, whether it's like prayer or faith, but then, or just like, I don't know, various forms, even like therapy to be like, okay, but you can like work through it. And sometimes you need a little crutch called medicine. And then once you're like strong enough, then you throw the crutch away, you know, like if your leg is healing or whatever. Um, And I I do think that some mental health challenges for some people work that way. Um, But uh, not, not for everybody. And so there, the, the need for long-term medication is definitely, um, yeah, I think it's, yeah. it's worth saying. Yeah. Others, uh, other myths had to deal with like, um, the causes of mental health. So, uh, somebody mentioned that, um, hmm. mental health issues are caused by demons. Oh, like what you need is an exorcism. Wow. Not Prozac. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Or, or I, if I feel anxious, I can't name anxiety. I can't say that I'm anxious because to say that I'm anxious gives it power over me. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know about this, Ben? I know about that one. Yeah. Yeah, there's kind of a, it's like the opposite of name it and claim it, right? Where it's like, name it and now you got to live with it. <laughs> now you've I've made heard it real. Name it, name it and tame it. That's name it and tame say. it. Okay. Yeah. Like, tame your, your anxiety. I've heard people say that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I think there, there is something to that where, um, you know, uh, I get, maybe it stems from like anything you feed grows, grows in power, hmm. you know, um, yeah. that kind of a thing. When, and I think there, again, I think all of these myths, the reason they're powerful is that they're sort of half true or they relate to something. They're sort of taking something that is a very specific thing and universalizing it. And so there is a sense in which, right. I mean, if all you do is focus on the negative and complain every day, then you're going to feel bad. And you know, there can be some truth to that. Um, But that's different from naming the fact that you're anxious. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's different. There's a difference there. And so, um, so yeah, I'm familiar with that one. And actually, I think that there's some shame that gets dispelled when we're actually able to name something yeah, rather than hide it. Yeah. And I, we'll talk about that probably in the next one when we share our own stories. But I think there's some good power in being able to name what's going on inside of you right. um, mm. that dispels the shame. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, the, the couple of people talked about myths surrounding their kids. So, so one of them is um, your your kid doesn't have a mental health issue; they just are poorly behaved. Um, which strikes near and dear to my heart. Like the impulsivity, yeah. I mentioned this last week. The impulsivity and lack of self control I had as an ADHD kid, um, I internalized. I told. I told you. I internalized as as a moral issue, and I think I came by that honestly. Not only my own shame for not knowing why I did stuff, but I know that my teachers and my you know my pa- yeah. to a lesser degree my parents and others just scripted onto me that I was bad. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That I was bad. Um, or or the other script that happens there, uh, and sometimes and <laughs> the other script is that um, it's bad parenting that you're like the parents are, you know, yes. there's, there's a lack of boundaries in the home or, you know, that, that kind of a thing. I think there can be some stigma or assumptions around like a, you know, a child who might have ADHD or impulse control, that kind of thing. And you just end up judging these parents as like, yeah, these, these parents don't know what they're doing. 
or even trauma. Um, mm. Like mm-hmm. I, I know kids, I know parents of kids with trauma whose kids manifest varying, let's say, non-socially appropriate behaviors. Yeah. And parents, they know that other people are judging them as parents. Yeah. Because, because other people don't understand the complex post-traumatic stress syndrome or disorder that their children are trying to just deal with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In, in efforts to like protect my own kids and not giving out identities. Uh, we've experienced that. There have been times where there are different situations have happened and our kids have responded with, in a different way than what I would say a child not growing up in foster care and adoption and all the trauma that they've kind of experienced and feeling the judgment from other people. People have said the stupidest things to us um, that have hmm. been really hurtful because I think mm-hmm. they, they just think, get your act together, get your kids in line, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and they have no clue, no clue what's going on. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody mentioned, um, you know, burnout. Uh, a pastor friend of mine mentioned like pastors aren't allowed to burn out. Um, and, and I, I don't know if burnout is, you know, it's not in the DSM five as a mental health disorder, but, but definitely the, the toll or the fatigue that being, uh, the father or mother of a special needs child or being the pastor of a church, et cetera, that there's this ongoing, um, wearing down or fatigue that sometimes we were not we don't, we don't permit ourselves to do that or we're not allowed mm-hmm. to do that. So, uh, you know, it's not really, I don't know, maybe burnout being like a reflection of poor character or, yeah. or not, you don't have what it takes to be a pastor versus, hey, this, this job uh, has a lot of moral injury in it and there's a, fa- there's a compassion fatigue that, mm. that we incur and accrue. And most of us, uh, as parents and most of us as pastors, no one ever taught us how to take care of ourselves. Yeah. Right. No one ever taught us how to take care of ourselves. You know? Almost to the opposite. It was celebrated when you did burn. I mean, like got to the point of almost burnout, mm. but didn't burn out. Yeah. Right. And that's just, un- that's unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. Mm. Yeah, here's here's another myth that um, emotions are bad or misleading. So if you feel sad or feel depressed, uh, mm. th- your emotions are lying to you. Right. Because, you know, Jesus saved you. So what do you have to be sad about? <laughs> going to heaven? Going to heaven. So yeah. obviously they're lying to you. <laughs> I'm writing a whole dissertation on that, people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you, can you mean, share like 30 seconds about that, Christine? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm writing on, does growing in your emotional intelligence increase your perceived intimacy with God? Mm. And it's this idea of we could grow and understand our emotions, not seeing them as bad, not seeing them as as right or wrong, but seeing them as an opportunity to pay attention to of what's going on inside of me, mm-hmm. where I might not be believing truth about myself or God um, as like a little flag that's waving, you know? Yeah. I'm getting angry. I'm getting anxious. I'm really happy. Like those things are flags to tell us deeper things that are going yeah. on inside. And it's an opportunity for us to learn. And I think in learning, then it can grow intimacy with God Almighty. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was an interesting one because 
you know, like part of navigating our emotions is realizing that sometimes we do, sometimes we do actually misperceive situations, right? And so sometimes I can become angry when my wife says something to me that I perceive to be like a critical comment maybe or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, in that case, you know, you could, you could say that my emotions were lying to me, but I think a better way of talking about it is that my emotions were telling me something very true about what it feels like to be criticized. My yes. emotions are telling me very, something very true about myself and my own experience, perhaps. Maybe they were telling me something about how sensitive I am to criticism. Like there, there's all kinds of helpful stuff my anger is telling me in that moment, even if it didn't tell me the truth about what my wife was actually saying to me. That's right. And the, That's right. And the only way to discover that is to own it as my emotion, you know, as my anger, you know, and, and rather than, which is, you know, tip, I mean, this is learning, right? Emotional intelligence, rather than assuming that my wife is criticizing me and yeah. lashing out at her. Instead, I own my emotion of anger and say, that, that comment made me angry. Yeah. Will you explore that with me? Yeah. And now a word from a sponsor. The Gravity Podcast is sponsored by the Gravity Formation Course, our 12-month cohort-based training in practical spiritual formation where you'll learn how to notice how God is already at work in your life so you can participate more fully in the life that God shares with us. It is a discipleship process that goes beyond just gaining more knowledge and trying out some new practices. In the Gravity Formation course, we go below the surface of our lives so that we can notice and name our deepest desires in God's presence and to discern how God is at work in those desires to lead us toward holistic flourishing, more transformation, more life, more joy, more love. We've trained hundreds of people from all over the world in this formation framework, and it's helped many people to have a sense of God at work in their lives and learn to be more at home in God's love. If you'd like to learn more, go to gravitycommons.com slash formation. All right, let's get back into our conversation. I think this fits into this myth. I was at a church one time. Uh, uh, the church's name will be mentioned, but the pastor was talking. The pastor was talking about this is a very large, very successful church. And the pastor said, "I know a lot of you come in here on Sundays, and sometimes something bad happened this week, or sometimes life isn't working the way you thought, or maybe there's conflict in the home, or your children aren't listening to you, and it gives us a sense of." Uh, doubt or sadness or even some anxiousness or depression. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, this is interesting. In my mind, I'm thinking, this guy doesn't usually talk like this. Like, this guy doesn't usually acknowledge bad things. <laughs> and before I can even, like, get that thought through my head, uh, his next words were, but sometimes you just got to praise the Lord. Like, sometimes all, <laughs> all you need is just to bring it to the cross, right? And so then the worship band started. And oh. basically, basically you know, whether or not the intention was to communicate, what was communicated was the thing you need to solve all your life's problems is this Chris Tomlin song. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, I don't, I don't think this person is anti-therapy. I, I don't, Yeah, but I do think yeah. we communicate things. We communicate myths um, in ways like that, you know, yeah. that people, people receive it like that. Yeah. Uh, maybe one more, one more. Um, yeah, yeah one more. There's, there's a lot more we heard, but one, one of the ones is, um, you know, if you're dealing with a mental health crisis, it's somehow your fault. 
Mm. Like there's some unconfessed sin in your life, or um, you gave yourself over to X, Y, and Z. What did you think would happen? There, the basically is blaming. The myth is a vic- victim blaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that one relates to you know when the earlier one you talked about, Matt, where um, you said like pastors aren't allowed to burn out, or like Oof. if you burn out, like. Anyway, you're doing you're doing it wrong, <laughs> um, that kind of thing. And uh, it was interesting because you said like there there is a there is an element of like nobody taught us to take care of ourselves. Yeah. And so that's different from, you know, why in the world didn't you take care of yourself? <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? Like one of them is this accusatory like this is your fault. You know, this is why you're burned out. Is you're working too hard and you mm. you haven't taken a day off in you know 18 days, yeah. and uh, this is your fault rather than the compassionate you know, view, which would be like, yeah, I don't, I don't know how to do that. And there's a reason I don't know how to do that. I, I think I would if I could or, and, and so, yeah, I need to learn something rather than, uh, I don't know. I need to feel bad about a choice mm. I've made. Mm. I think too, that there's something about not seeing ourselves holistically. Mm. Who, who's your friend, Matt, his name's Matt actually from Miami. Mm. And he like, he teaches yeah. about the ecosystem, right, yeah. of, of the human. And he, he says, like, we're relational and we're spiritual and we're physical and, we're, like, all of these parts. And when one is kind of out and, like, not, like, in a good, healthy place, it's going to affect the rest of us. Mm. And I, I think sometimes we miss that. And so we just – people think we're just, you know, one dimension <laughs> instead of multi-dimensions of all these different parts that kind of make up who we are. And – um yeah. Gotta see it. Yeah. So so then that, maybe that's like a bow tie on our last episode about these various myths that do unhelpful work in our churches and in our own bodies and minds. Sometimes they're mm-hmm. communicated to us explicitly, sometimes we absorb them, and sometimes they're just stories we tell ourselves, you know? Yeah. Um, so this isn't really about finding people to blame as much as it's about identifying things that aren't helpful and don't work. Yeah. And so then part two of this series we're going to move into right now is... Uh, is predicated on the fact that we often have traffic in some of these myths because because mental illness freaks us out. Mm-hmm. We don't know what to do with it. If someone has a psychotic break mm-hmm. or someone is um, suffering from severe uh, trauma or depression, we, we, we feel anxious ourselves because we don't know what to do to help them. Yeah. And we want to quickly resolve it, which is we're, we're telling ourselves, I'm trying to help you, but really what we're doing is helping ourselves. You know, <laughs> right. I want, I want the thing that you're dealing with that causes me to be uncomfortable and anxious to be resolved so I can feel better. Yes. Um, you know? Yes. Uh, and so, because I think all of us listening uh, on our best day would say, well, I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I actually want to care for people who need care in a way that helps them and that they can receive it. And so, Christy, I know you've done some work here, uh, being in family ministry uh, for a long time. You, this is part of what you've concerned yourself with to become competent in. And I'm wondering if you could just talk us through maybe several things that we can do when we're confronted with mental health crises or a mental illness issue. How do we respond to that in a way that does good work? Yeah, I think can I can I give one more myth because I think another myth oh, that we sure. have 
is that people don't want to talk about their mental health. Hmm. And I think the truth is, is that people do want to talk about their mental health. It just needs to be on their terms. And what I mean by that is it needs to be in a place that they feel comfortable. They don't want to talk about their mental health in the lobby of your church, right? They don't want to talk about your mental health. Like maybe Maybe that's what I've been doing wrong. (laughs) You know, this is going to be helpful. I'm taking notes. So yeah, just, well, you know, I just think you, you got to be sensitive about yeah. where you're doing this and how you're setting up this conversation. And I think it leads to the other thing is if you are in a relationship with somebody who you're concerned about their mental health, it's not a one and done conversation. It's not like, hey, let's have this one conversation about this mm. and then it's over. Kind of like maybe how you and I grew up, like our parents had the the one and done sex talk with us, right? You're like, no, no, no. Now as a parent, I'm like, this is an ongoing conversation that we keep talking about. We keep answering questions. And it is like that with our mental health as well. Mm. Um, So you guys know this because you're pastors and you're sensitive to people, um, but you got to pick a place that is comfortable, right? Um, (laughs) For example, you know, if I'm having a serious conversation um, with my son Langham, he's a morning person, right? So if I'm, if I'm talking about mental health, but if I'm talking about kind of anything that really matters to him, it's better to do it in the morning because boyfriend falls asleep at about like eight fifteen at night. doesn't matter that he's in sixth grade. He cannot handle staying up. And it's the opposite with like one of my other kids, they're a night owl. So they're going to talk about things that are important at nighttime rather than if you talk to them about that on the way to school in the morning, they're like, oh my goodness, I, I cannot talk about anything serious because I'm tired. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, asking them what they prefer um, and not rushing that conversation. Those are all like kind of important when it comes to like where, the time, the location, you would have a conversation about mental health. Mm. Um, how would you guys, I'm curious to hear, like, if you're talking to a friend of yours, if you're bringing up this topic how would you start off a conversation about a concern you have yeah. with their mental health? Yeah. Well, I think this is in so, general. I'm, I'm thinking of some specific s- situations, Christy, but I, mm. I don't want to share them publicly because I don't feel uh, like I have permission uh, to do sure. that. Um, but I think in general, because there is a stigma, mm. I think, with mental illness— that I try to breach the conversation with asking the person to help me understand what's going on. Um, So it usually sounds something like, hey, I've noticed X, Y, and Z, and I don't know how to make sense of that. And as your friend or your dad or your husband or your pastor, uh, I want to care for you, but I'm not quite sure how to care for you right now. Um, Do you, are you willing to chat about these things that I've shared? Could you help me understand that better? Are you okay? You know, are you okay? Um, so it's 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 more of like a these things. I don't know how to I don't know how to make sense of these things, which means I don't know how to. I'm feeling a little insecure or uncertain about how to be in relationship with you, and I'd like your help to make sense of this so I can have a more secure attachment or connection with you. Yeah. Go ahead, Christy. Yeah, I, I think. You know, you're right, and in, in in our in gravity communities, right? We would say this is like compassionate, curious questions, mm-hmm. and and it goes along with this. That 
that we have compassion for whoever we're talking to. And we ask questions. We don't come in thinking we have it all figured out. Yeah. Right. Um, and that is what hurts people. Yeah. I, I think the other, the other thing that's wise about that approach, Matt, is, and this is something we say in the gravity ecosystem, I'll use that word <laughs> a lot, is that the first truth we share is the truth about ourselves. And so I noticed that that was part of your sharing, Matt, is not, hey, uh, have you ever thought that maybe you have some mental problems? You know, like, <laughs> I mean, obviously that's uh, maybe not a good way to go. But the first thing you shared was your own your own sense of inadequacy, your own sense of confusion, your own sense of hey, I'm sensing this and I don't know what to do about it. Here's how this impacts me and here's how. So that, that, that can be a really powerful place to start because it opens the door of vulnerability from your end first to say, I'm going to practice a little bit of vulnerability here and invite you to do the same. Do you want to have this kind of conversation with me, the thing that I'm modeling for you first? Because um, it almost always puts people on the back foot to say, Hey, have you ever thought there's something wrong with you? I mean, even the gentlest way of saying that. Right. Even implying that. Even, even implying, implying like, hey, you know, have you ever thought that maybe you have, you know, whatever, like anything like that is going to put people on the back foot, especially when it deals with like something that could be a mental health or mental illness challenge because because of the stigma uh, around yeah. it. So it's really wise. Yeah. yeah. And when you ask these questions and the friend starts talking right? It's so important to keep listening, mm-hmm. to keep asking questions, to not just let them talk and then think, okay, well now I have the answer. <laughs> um, in my, at least in my experience, I've realized, especially with mental health, I probably need to ask five questions to every one thing that I'm probably going to say, mm-hmm. you know, like just keep on keeping on. And that, that also helps them, I think, be open because you are interested, you do care. Um, and they're experiencing that because you're listening and hopefully you're also using like a tone of voice that's not judgmental or, you know, uh, whatever. Um, and then the last thing I would say is that I think it's important to acknowledge it's okay to not be okay. Um, I actually have a t-shirt that says that I, I wear it quite often around high school kids because I want them to know like, hey, if you're struggling with whatever the thing is, mental health or something else, it's okay. Like we are in a, a community that says you still belong here. You don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. My love isn't based on like your performance um, or, you know, whatever. It's okay to not be okay and to give that freedom. Yeah, I think I think I've, I've had the conviction recently, Christy, of two things. One, that when I bring up mental illness um, – with my kids, how I narrate that and how I talk about it communicates it's okay to not be okay much more than me telling them that directly. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, and so I've just, I've, I've noticed a few times in the last several months where I've thought about something I want to like talk to my wife about in a way that wouldn't communicate it's okay to not be okay to my kids. Mm-hmm. And I've just kept my mouth shut because I was like, yeah, you know, I think my wife and I need to like blow some steam off about this interaction, but there may be some mental health issues going on here. And I don't want to re reify stigmas unintentionally with my kids. So that's, that's one thing I've noticed about me. Yeah. So you're saying that, I think I'm understanding you here. 
you're saying like you and your wife had an interaction with somebody else who's maybe having yes. some mental health challenges, yep. but for you to kind of blow off steam in front of your kids sort of reinforces the stigma of like, make sure you don't ever, you know, like be like that, you know, because exactly. you're going to get talked about. You're going to get yes. talked about. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah. And, and that's, you know, now we could talk about, uh, you know, there's a whole different conversation about how like, you as a pastor with your co-pastor, you as a partner with your partner, right. how you talk together to sort of just blow off steam and let go of tension to be like, can you see me? How, why this would make me so upset? Can I mm -hmm. put this in terms that I maybe wouldn't use for a public presentation because I need you to validate why I'm bothered by this? Like mm -hmm. we have those conversations with intimate partners, right? Yeah. But those, those conversations with intimate partners do intimate work. And I think what yeah. I'm noticing is I can't do that intimate work with other people listening or watching mm -hmm. because it reinforces things I wouldn't want to reinforce. That's what I'm trying to say, Ben. Yep. Right. That's really yeah. good. We'll be right back. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Let's get back to the show. In these conversations, whether it's like during the conversation or after the conversation, there's some things just not to do. <laughs> you know, and, and what you're saying is kind of like, when other people are around, mm -hmm. um, you know, gossiping about that, it's just like, nope, that's not going to be part of our MO. It's not how we're going to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, because we want to make sure that like we're not judging people, right. Um, in the conversation, it's super important not to make it about yourself, <laughs> not to joke about it, not to yell, not to get overly emotional. Like all of that is helping the yeah. other person understand, okay, you're a person and you're cared for. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to do these things in this conversation. I'm also not going to do these things when you walk away and I'm yeah. going to talk about somebody else about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I appreciated what you said about making it about you. I think no, none of us would ever intend to like, be like, how can I make this conversation more about me? But I think one of the, one of the ways that a lot of us may inadvertently do that is when we're trying to like resonate with someone or empathize with someone we oftentimes think of a similar story that happened to us 
And sometimes those are okay to share, but oftentimes they take, they, they sort of like recenter you. So it's like, oh, I know exactly how you feel. I once, you know, had a bad feeling and, you know, and then you, you kind of tell your story um, thinking, oh, you, you know, I'm telling them it's okay not to be okay. But sometimes what that can do is, is actually make them not feel seen, especially if the story is, you know, not, not very similar at all, you know? Um, and so I, that's been a tricky thing um, for me to learn, I think, as a pastor is how, how to share my own resonance with someone's story in a way that doesn't kind of capture the spotlight and make it all about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a hard thing to learn, I think, um, but an important one. Yeah. 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 My guess is some people might, who are listening could be like, okay, but what do I do when it seems real serious? It's mm. not maybe just my friend is, seems sad or anxious, or maybe there's depression, but my friend or my spouse or my child is showing atypical behavior and, you know, I'm concerned that they might be thinking of harming themselves. Right. What do you do in that? And I, I, I think it's important just in this time to say, if you think that that's the case, it is important um, to get professionals involved. Um, this is not something you have to handle on your own. Um, and so I ask two questions when I speak to somebody, when I talk to somebody and I say, are you thinking of killing yourself? Mm. And I use that word. And that's, that comes from mental health first aid uh, training that I've done, but really asking that question. And then do you have the means and the plan to do so? Um, and if they say yes to those things, either one of those things, it is imperative that you take them to the hospital, call a counselor, do not leave their side. You, you stay with them mm-hmm. until a professional can do an evaluation because we're not professional in this. Yeah. Uh, we have to like ask other people for help. Yeah. yeah. Can, can I, sh- can I share one thing about that? Christy? I, yeah, I think I was told in my, I make a joke often. Uh, Christy, I think you've heard this joke. Everybody who knows me has heard this joke. I got my low, my lowest grade in seminary was in pastoral uh, counseling. <laughs> it was like a B, I don't know, B, B or B plus or something. And I always tell people I can help you if your life or your marriage is lower than a B plus, right? But I can't, you know, I can't get you above. I can't get you above with the grade I got in seminary. Now it's a joke. It's a joke. But 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 I remember the the teacher in our pastoral counseling class telling us it's really good to know what you're trained to address and what you aren't. The issue with that is there was no training for me to identify what I was dealing with. So for a decade plus, maybe two decades in ministry, I would be interacting in a pastoral situation with a person who was suffering from PTSD. And because I couldn't, I, I couldn't see it. I couldn't, now I can't diagnose it, but I could like be like, okay, there's, this is what PTSD does. This is how people with PTSD, PTSD respond. And this is not helpful for somebody with PTSD. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying like I diagnose them and put them in a box. I'm just saying like, I can think of dozens of interactions with people where I did and said things out of good intentions that were thoroughly not helpful for them and didn't do good work in the situation we were in. And, and like knowing what you can and can't do as a helper 
as a friend, as a pastor, as a parent is really good. But I would say just going one step beyond, those things that you aren't equipped to handle, do you know how to identify them? Because if you don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. If you don't know what a screw looks like, mm-hmm. you're going to use a hammer. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which really, we need to keep being students. Mm-hmm. We need to keep learning, whether that's like our culture, mental health, like we need to keep reading and learning things. Yeah. Yeah. So um, maybe we could close with this. And that that is, I think it's in life. This is probably just in life, but specifically in mental health since that's what we're talking about. I actually like to call it mental wholeness because I like that. I think it's yeah, I think that we need to all be growing in our mental wholeness. Mm-hmm. Um but one aspect of that is including other people in our mental wholeness. And what I mean by that, who are your people that can ask you like, how are you? Mm-hmm. And not just like, yeah, I'm fine. But I mean, really, there should be a handful of people who can ask you the deeper questions and you can be vulnerable enough to share. Yeah. And and that goes for people who are struggling in mental health and people who aren't. Like that just is community um, that I think helps move us forward. So I'm curious to hear, like, how has community kind of played in to this mental health conversation? Where have you seen that? Yeah, it's, I found it really, and maybe this, you know, uh, I know in a future episode, it might be the next one we do, we're going to talk about our own experiences with, um, yeah, just mental health and counseling and therapy and how that's interacted with our faith and stuff. But um, but yeah, for me, uh, it's been really crucial uh, and important, and I could share more in the next episode about this, but just knowing that I have people who care enough about me, not just for uh, what I can do for them, um, or how I can be of practical service to them. Um, but actually care about my inner world, um, has been really, really huge. Um, it's given Mm. me, you know, the ability to name that stuff in community and, you know, every it's, it's, it's been really healing and helpful uh, for me to know I've got, you know, friends and loved ones who are open to talking to me about that stuff. Yeah. And I would say, Christy, um, just to give a real, uh, this is probably more in tune with our next podcast, uh, which we're going to talk about our own journeys and stories of mental wholeness and mental health and interacting with mental health professionals, et cetera. But um, I remember the f- like the first time in my life when I was in a community of people who weren't codependent with me. Mm. And I don't think I would be able to name what codependency is and the unhealthy and unhelpful work codependency did in my life unless I had been in a community of people that weren't codependent with me. And I had to have kairoses about, well, why aren't you making these promises to me? These, these unworded promise, why are, why aren't you, why aren't you doing what I assume you do? Why did you say it like that? That sounds very mean. I wasn't, that is not mean. Just letting you know what I could do. Well, felt mean, (laughs) you know, or or whatever, right? There were so many little artifacts about 
the ways that codependency as a way of being in the world in relationship was unwound and exposed because I was in communities that weren't um, as susceptible to that, you know, or operating in that logic. And so mm. that that's one of many ways that community has been vital for me to just assess and name realities in my life that I wouldn't wish on other people, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, that's good. You guys, I could keep talking about this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad we are. I'm going to wear my sweatshirt that says God in therapy, or okay. maybe it says Jesus in therapy. It's like my favorite sweatshirt because that's what we're going to talk about next week. We are. Um, You've got our own stories in therapy. Yeah. You've got uh, you've got a lot of uh, clothing items. It sounds like Christy with little pithy messages on. <laughs> she does. I do. Yeah, I do. That's great. I, I like that. Um, Christy, do you have? I, I've seen uh, floating around in the internet from you, like links to various resources about this stuff. Like, mm-hmm. do you have a link or two that we could drop in the show notes just for people to go if they, for instance, are wanting to. They've got somebody in their life who's suicidal and they want to know how to be with them or what to say and what not to say, or somebody in their life who has severe depression, et cetera. Do you have resources that we can share with our listeners? Yeah, we'll put them in the show notes. We'll put like the National Suicide Hotline and all of that kind of stuff. Also, uh, Saddleback Church actually has, um, uh, why can't I think of his name? Rick Rick Warren. Warren. Thank you. Uh, Rick Warren's son died by suicide. And after his son died... Um, they started this mental health uh, support and resources that truly are are really well thought through. So mm. we can put that in there. Okay. Um, and then also that what I mentioned the the mental health first aid course that is actually in every major city. You can do it. I would say it's well worth the time and the money. Um, hmm. But we'll put all that in the show notes. Great. So. Great. <clears throat> all right. That sounds good. Thanks. All right. Well, I think. That's probably good enough for today, eh? We did Christy, we, good. good news for you is we will keep talking about this. It'll just be That's on right. future episodes. That's right. So, All right. Do you, guys, do you guys know what you call a fish with no eye? No. What do you call a fish with no eye? A fish. <laughs> ben, it's like addictive. You're like telling dad jokes like Matt. It's really good, Ben. One day, one day, Christy, nope, um, you're nope. going to surprise us all. Nope, I it's don't, not going to happen. I don't just tell dad jokes uh, for this reason, but I'm really glad that Ben, you're infected. <laughs> yeah, oh man, they are a lot of fun. So, yeah, you know, all I've, right, I've I've tried to, I've been trying to think if I knew of any mental health jokes, dad jokes. <laughs> Let me just say, it's really hard. To find a mental health dad joke that yeah. isn't uh, really inappropriate and bad. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. But I do wonder if I did find one. Mm-hmm. I think I already told this to you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Listener, oh, th- let this me actual, know. If, this is not hypothetical. Is it listener, a real joke let coming? me know if this, crosses, if this crosses a line, I will publicly repent next week. Okay. All right. Christy, mm-hmm. how many drugs in total? Did Charlie Sheen take? It's crossing a line. Is it? <laughs> I don't know how many drugs. Enough to kill two and a half men. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> Is that crossing a line? Oh. 
I mean, he's listeners, a, we're sorry. We he's love a you. really powerful, wealthy man who, you know, did throw away his TV career. But we got, we got to go. We got to go. <laughs> yeah. Everybody. You can email we'll, Matt if it was inappropriate and he will publicly repent. I will. And recant. I'll publicly repent. I yeah. just thought, you know, I, I'll give, give it a try. Shot. Yep. You know, go big that's or go a, home. That's what a dad does. <laughs> that's what a dad does. Okay. Time to go home then. All right. Let's go. Let's all let's all go home. All right. Go big and go home. Here we go. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Gravity Leadership Podcast. If you're finding it helpful, we'd love it if you tell your friends about it. Ratings and reviews online also help others find the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. You can join our Gravity community for free. You'll get our latest content delivered straight to your inbox, as well as an email most Fridays with curated links to articles that we found interesting or helpful. To join us, go to gravityleadership.com slash join. Our show is produced by Ben Sturkey and Matt Tebby. Aaron Sturkey edits and mixes the podcast. You can check out his work at aaronsturkey.com. We'd love to hear from you. To record a question or comment for us, go to gravityleadership.com slash message and click the start recording button. You can also email us at podcast at gravityleadership.com. Catch you next time. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.